and you think she's ready? She has been waiting for centuries. Her bloodline belongs to the guild. You were my firstborn son. Your destiny is here. Hers is not. I understand. It's just... If you understand, then you understand. There is nothing more to say. I think that China will be a great adventure for you. It is my honor to have been chosen. This is a deadly class act. This is the Carefree Black Nerd review of Rick Remender, Wes Craig's Image Comics, and Sci-Fi's hit TV show, Deadly Class. This is episode 9 of season 1, Kids of the Black Home. Now guys, when you're listening to this episode of a deadly class act, please use that hashtag ADCAPod. On the Twitters and on all your social media sites, let me know you're out there and that you're listening. When you're watching a Deadly Class, at, well, rather Deadly Class, <laughs> live on Sci-Fi or on Hulu or on Bootleg or in syndication or however you consume your Deadly Class media, use that hashtag ADCAPod. Let's make this a conversation. Speaking of, I am your host, Rain Coleman, and you can find me on the Twitters, Carefree Blurred. The most immediate way to get in touch with me. All other social media sites, Carefree Black Nerd. Again, let me know you're out there. Let me know you're listening. Let's make this a conversation. Ah, so diving right into this episode. Season 1, Episode 9, Kids of the Black Hole. This is some shit. Now, to hit some key points, some things that we go through. We, uh, we see Fuckface and his family, Chester. Uh, we get... The kids, the uh, Vegas class, or the Vegas kids, whatever. So that's uh, Willie, Saya, Marcus, Maria, Billy. And then we also add in Lex and Petra uh, doing their own thing. We go to a concert. We pick up some explosives. Willie and Gabby decide to run away together. Uh, the B-plot, we have Gao uh, going against uh, Master Lin and Masterland's family being in danger. Brandy really surprised me this episode. I have to say, I like what she gave. I like what she gave. So, kind of running through. So we open up with uh, Fuckface and his family having like a little sing-along. I don't know what that was about. I mean, it fit within the context of the show because, I mean, it just is what it is. Uh, then we move on to them still having Chico's head in a trough full of ice and he looks well preserved <laughs> so we're, we're, we're in the midst of the countdown I believe it was three days uh, maybe misremembering but we're in the midst of the countdown to see if the kids can get to fuckface and get Chico's body before he sends it on down to El Diablo Really quickly, a uh, quick aside, I've been watching Dexter lately. I've been binging. I think I'm in season three, into season two, early season three. And it's so funny. Uh, I made this uh, kind of observation before because, you know, I do the Black Lightning Matters podcast. That's the Carefree Black Nerd podcast covering CW and DC's Black Lightning with my illustrious co-host, Cole Jackson. Cole Jackson12 on the Twitters. Uh, where Gamby was also on Dexter, and he's playing a very Gamby role, and so I'm excited to see him. Whereas on the flip side, El Diablo, Chico's father on Deadly Class, is playing a very opposite role to his character here. Uh, He's playing a person whose name is Angel, and I really enjoy seeing him. Uh, So I I just think that's a (laughs) 
a funny little kind of um, maybe just observation. So if you've seen Dexter, this is old news to you. If you haven't and you like El Diablo's character on here or you watch Black Lightning, check it out. At least a few episodes. So uh, getting back to the task at hand, <sighs> Shabnam's parents are still locked up in the house. <laughs> Fuckface opens the cage, lets Shabnam to change the newspaper of Shabnam's father's cage, which is so degrading. This show is so disgusting. <laughs> well, he makes a break for it. Uh, one of the rednecks yells at him. He makes it out the door, trips a wire, and is stabbed in through his body with things like just cartoonishly gorish booby traps. Man, okay, so what I'm thinking in my head is. Yes, this is the 80s. Yes, um, this is suburbia. But does any of this stuff stick out? And also, where are the neighbors? Are they not like, well, the Shabnams usually don't keep up this much noise. Let me go see what's up. Or maybe you haven't seen them in a while and you normally do. Like, I, I wonder what is the... I don't know. It's not enough to pull me out of the show. But I'm like, how, what, how do we get here? And there's been no police call. There's been no neighbors stopping by. I don't know. Maybe the Shabnas just work work a lot. They're, the Shabnas parents work a lot. So we uh we move into uh, Saya is taking pictures from afar. She's a really capable. I want to say ninja. That feels very incorrect. Um, assassin. I'll say assassin. And, and then we move on to Master Lin. Now remember he gave um. Mark, it's not necessarily a truth serum, but a traumatic, like, torturing to get the truth about Vegas out of him. Well, doing that, now Marcus is rebelling even more. So, Lynn gives a speech to the class about having ties, cutting, do not get married, do not have kids, do not do this, do not do that. Which is surprisingly, not surprisingly, but it's very um, hypocritical of him for a motherfucker that has stashed his whole family down the street from the school. Well, Marcus calls him out on him like, you know, you lied to me. You bullshitted me. So what what the the one thing that encompasses everything that Master Lin said was you create a weakness by having family, having ties. That's essentially what he said. So Marcus cuts in tune. He stays after class because what happens is remember in episode one when Master Lin was kind of doing a speech, walking up and down the aisles and he hit Brandy in the face or episode two, I believe. Made her bleed and Marcus was shocked and whatever. He did the same thing but to Marcus. Well, Maria sitting behind him stopped the 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 make stopped Master Lynn's cane from making contact with Marcus's face by using her fan. So after class, Marcus stayed behind. I thought that Lynn would maybe speak to him about what just happened and like, oh you and Maria getting down and whatever else. Marcus is the one who went at him like, you are a hypocrite. You got me under here under the guise that I could change the world and do this and do that. And they get this into this kind of war of the words. And it was very much a old timer versus young buck type of situation. But it was done very well. Uh, I really, I think they both made points. But of course, I'm siding with Marcus because I know I have a peek behind the curtain as an audience member that Lynn is a liar. You know, Lynn is a hypocrite. But <laughs> Marcus is like, you know, you told me, because uh, what Lynn said, when you, when you are willing to die for someone, you surely will. Or when you're willing to die for someone, you know, that's your greatest weakness or something. And Marcus is like, uh, you got me under here. You lied to me. You said I could do this. You said I could do that. Friends, family, clothing, shelter. And then he walks off. And Lynn is like, oh, well, is the boy going to leave? He said, no, I ain't going to leave because everything I'm willing to die for is here. And that was, man, this whole first scene was damn good. I'm, I'm, I'm for that. So um, during the course of the first scene, Saya sends a note to Marcus, which is Vegas Kids Meetup. She shows them all the pictures of everything that's going on at Shabnam's house. Uh, they're discussing his family, you know, uh, his mom being in there. How can they get in? Saya's like, oh, everything's booby-trapped. They're doing all this discussion in the comic book shop where Marcus and Willie works. Willie walks up. He's like, fuck y'all. I'm not doing this. Um, and I like, even though I feel like the show doesn't know what to do with Willie, I do like the story that we're getting from him because if you come off the last episode where him and gabby slept together and he got up and left and she's like you know you don't have to you don't have to be in this life this does not have to define you this is not what you need and 
he's like, God, I'm not doing this shit. Like, you motherfuckers have lost your goddamn minds. And they're kind of ganging up on him in the sense that it's dire. We need all hands on deck. And Willie is a pacifist, and that's a bit of a problem. But Willie also has some valid points, and I'm going to side with him all day, every day, until he does something just extremely outlandish. Then I'm on the show's head because the show made him do it. <laughs> Bias, I know. But protect Willie at all costs. Protect Gabby at all costs. So what happens is Marcus follows Willie out of the shop. And he's like, man, yeah, you're a pacifist, whatever. But, you know, you got to help us out, whatever. You're a friend and this and that. And Willie says, he's like, man, this hero shit is just a mask that you wear to justify the chaos. And Marcus, he's reading them. He said, I think... Maybe you looking to get yourself killed, which is is va- a valid, valid idea. And Marcus throws something at him about pretending to be a hero. It's better than dying and this and that. And Willie's like, look, Gabby was right. If this is what it takes to be your friend, man, what the fuck? And he doesn't finish the statement, but you know what it is. It's like, what is it worth the trouble? Why would I do this? Why am I your friend then if the trouble that I'm getting into is can potentially kill me? And I... I'm with him. I'm with both of them because with Marcus, we need our hands on deck. We can kill this dude and we can end everything. But nothing, no good deed goes unpunished. I know that when we get to the point where Fuckface is killed or if they will kill him, there's going to be a ripple effect of other problems that arise. So I'm not even... In in the now, I understand Marcus's need, but in the larger scheme of things, I understand... Willie, it's like, man, when will it end? When will it end? I'm I'm reminded of a scene in Scandal. This was eons ago where, oh, and I'm about to get all the names and everything wrong, so forgive me. But uh, the journalist, I believe, the gay journalist was speaking to uh, someone, but the conversation went as follows. You need to do this for me. The journalist is like, no, I'm not going to do this. No, 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 not the gay journalist. This is the, it doesn't matter. The guy was like, uh, no, I'm not going to do this. And then the original guy was like, yeah, well, I got you your job. And the other dude was like, well, how much longer is you, are you going to hold it over my head? Yeah, you got me this job, but now I have to do my job. And I feel like it's the same with Willie. It's like, yeah, you did something and it got me out of this pinch, but how and then even the, the, the things that Willie has done in the past, like acting like him and Marcus weren't friends, he's more than made up for that. So at this point, we're on evil, even playing field. Me being your friend, that does not mean that I have to go along with every fucking harebrained idea you go along with. Me, myself, personally, Rain Coleman is adding in the added layer of this is a black male. First and foremost, they're all kids. But looking at them, especially the main folks... Willie is visibly very different from them. He's taller. He's thicker. He's dark. His hair is very different, just in the way it's style versus everyone else. He is a target. He is a moving target. And y'all in California, like, all art is meant to be critiqued and broke down and analyzed and enjoyed. But I'm on Willie's team just in the sense that, like Gabby said, you don't. this doesn't have to be your life. And you're working with a bunch of folks who y'all all are skilled. I'll give you that. But again, he's a moving target. You know, who's to say that this goes down and he isn't the first one to bite the bullet? Now, this is fiction. They're altering the story a bit from where it is in the comics, which is fine. So I say all that to say that we don't know how this is going to happen. I believe Willie will survive. But in the moment, again, you are a black guy. You, even though you are a child... You still are seen as an adult and not just off of the real life American and worldwide fucking trauma and news daily news reports that we see. But just in the context of the show, you are a big person compared to the other four or five folks who are your castmates. So ah, protect Willie at all costs. So he decides not to do it. And we go back into the the, the 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 comic book shop. And so everyone goes to, I don't know whose room this is in. I, I think it's Lex's or maybe Petra's. But Petra and Lex, they're trying to convince them to help them. And they're like, no. Nah. And then they put up some resistance. But ultimately, they come around. And now it's a group thing. What I like about this is, unlike with Riverdale, where they have the main four and everybody else is just 
shunted in whenever they're needed. This feels like a genuine and natural assembling of the characters. Petra, I like her. Um, Lex, in his own way, he's charming as well. Um, as a as a group, they're believable that things are friends, that things are people who would hang out, who would have these issues with one another. And so getting them the other rats or the other, you know, lesser thans. Mind you, this is all going on during Christmas break. And I don't that's kind of important. I think that the show has done a really good job at assembling this cast and making it believable. <laughs> so I'm a bit confused, and maybe y'all can help me. Um, tweet me, Carefree Blurred. Use the hashtag ADCAPod. If Petra and Lex are a thing now, or are they just closer than they were before? Because it felt like they were in a relationship. And it may be me just... Uh, I don't think it was me projecting. I think it, it felt that way. So we move on to Lynn in the house with his wife. Talking about Gal. She knows what's up. Wife is like, well, will she tell? He's like, no, nah, that'll bring shame on our whole family. And it'll you know, mainly bring shame on her. Tell, uh, and for those of you who are new to the program and haven't been <laughs> listening along, but Gal's, Gal, Lynn's wife is speaking about Naya, their daughter, being alive. Will Gal tell about that? Will she, you know, let folks know? So we get another flashback, a cartoon West Craig style flashback. And it's Lynn. It's his backstory. Well... Lynn and Gal. Lynn and his his father are in, I'd say, a study. Father is carving a spider into a box of sorts. And they're pretty much talking about the fate of Gal. You know, she's eight years old. They're sending her off to China uh, to be with the guild. And it's, it's a very, it's not as traumatic in the way that the other flashbacks have been. But it is very... Um, it gives you a peek behind the curtain. It's more than just kind of speaking, you know, exposition about what happened. We're seeing this happen. And I think <laughs> that the father in this scene may have been Master Lin just making his voice deeper. I think it may have been, uh, but, you know, who knows? So, all of this happens. Gao pretty much rises to the occasion. She's like, okay, father, you know... Uh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to make you proud. He gives her a dagger that his own father had. And she's like, yeah, I won't disappoint you. I promise. I'm going to, you know, do everything I can. Be all I can be. Whatever. Some mysterious man takes her and takes her to China. Gal, I don't want her to die. And I don't think that she will. But we'll get there. So, Lynn and his wife are talking. And she's like, man, don't think for a second that... She gonna let Naya live, considering her own son was killed, and I, I assume killed. I see the way they speak about Gal's son. I'm not sure if he was killed, like killed in battle, if he was kidnapped, if he was taken by the guild, and maybe um, being with the guild ended up hurt. I'm I'm very confused as to what actually happened with her son but i know that he's i would assume he's no longer living all that being said they share a tender moment another thing that i like again going back to what we see representation in, in comics and related media we get a lot of lynn and his wife we get him and his daughter we get him and his sister and for me, and this may not be the case now, but I know that it has been, where the Asian male is the butt of the joke, the nerd, the sidekick, and the Asian woman is the uh, kind of sexual conquest or the um, uh, depicted as a, uh, a fetish of sorts. And if I'm, if, oh God, I may be saying this incorrectly. If so, please charge this to my head, not my heart. I'm trying to get to a point here. Is that... In this show, much like others, but this one because this is what I'm discussing, Lynn is capable. He's not uh, conventionally attractive. Not to say he's ugly, but I'm saying in the Hollywood of it all, he's not some slim, trim, uh, leading man type. Uh, he has a lover, a love interest. He is very much, I don't want to, I don't know if we can say alpha male, but we can say very powerful. He is a leading man in this sense. He has a family. I say all this to say, 
he is depicted in a way that I myself did not grow up seeing Asian men in uh, in in films and TV. Same with his wife. Though we don't get a whole lot of her to the end of this episode, she is not some cartoonish, no, not cartoonish, some exaggerated version of Asian culture, nor is his daughter. Um, and even his relationship with his sister is something that I feel as if any race of character could be placed into these roles and it would work. It would be effective. Um, of course, the things that are very signature to their culture would be altered. But take this very same story, a school of assassins, and let's say you put it in Africa so that Lynn is now a African man and you change the cultural things to reflect that. I think it would work. Same as if you put it in, I don't know, the Middle East and you had a Middle Eastern master Lynn and changed it to culturally fit. What I'm saying is that this show, I feel, is writing him and his family and including Saya and that writing these people in a way that does not feel stereotypical. Um, I don't know enough about Asian cultures uh, intimately. So some things that I'm saying may come off as um, incorrect. You know, someone who has more of uh, knowledge of the cultural side of things may see that, oh, this is cheesy. This ain't right. This is That aside, if that's the case, tweet me, Carefree Blurred, ADCA pod, and let me know. But that aside... I think that Lynn's story is being told in a way that anyone could fulfill this role, where it isn't this stereotypical Asian guy and girl and whatever else. So I hope I made my point. <laughs> if not, y'all, y'all know how I do. In my bad. Now Marcus walks into his room. He's roommates with Shabna. Shabna's like, uh, he's like, oh, you you talk to your parents, huh? And Shabna's like, yeah, they've been calling a lot. They're usually off doing business and this and that, but they've been calling me a whole lot lately and such and such. I can't remember if Shabnon is in on it. I think he may be. But Marcus uh, Marcus is trying to get information out of him. Maria walks in the room. Shabnon's like, y'all ain't even trying to hide this shit, huh? And uh, Marcus and Maria have a talk. And she tells him to apologize, which he does about, you know, the boys' home killing and everything else. And he alludes that. Uh, oh, I'm blanking out. My bad, y'all. He lose that uh, Saya knew about this already. And the more and more I see her on screen, the more and more I feel so bad for Maria. I am a fan of Marcus, uh, but I do understand that he is problematic. Everybody is. Everybody on this show has issues. But Maria specifically is like dealing with a whole hell of a lot. Now, Marcus did not sign up for taking on all her issues. But again, when you're in a relationship with someone and you choose to be in that relationship, it is reasonable to believe that you would take on some of the issues that this person is dealing with or else break up. And if you're just like Marcus's excuses that he's pretty much, he's sorry, he's a punk. Like if you don't want to be with her, don't be with her. Don't do it out of pity. Deal with whatever breakdown she has then and then move the fuck on. If you feel like you have to be with her, then be with her. And I really feel like Maria's getting the short end of the stick. Yes, she's done some wild and reckless things like shooting that bow and arrow at that boy's head and, you know, among other things. But it's like she's dealing with a lot. Shit, you know, she drinks a lot. She does. She's and she's leaning on Marcus. And I just feel like you've taken on that responsibility because you've chosen to be with her. No matter her mental illness uh, no matter her emotional state, you have decided to take that on. Now, there is something to be said to him not knowing about her having some of her issues prior to. But once that came out, you still have the choice to be with her or not. And I just feel like he's fucking around. Like he's uh, he's playing, man. He's a fuckboy who thinks he's a good dude. And it's not it's it's frustrating because Maria deserves better. Saya him and Saya have this little moment where it's like, ugh, y'all are y'all are bothering me. Um, and then they're all kids, so I'm kind of chalking it up to them being these young adults. But at the same time, it's like that's not that can't be the excuse always. Like get it together. Uh, Saya confronts Willie like, man, we love you, but you know if you don't come and help us, you're going to look back on this moment and regret it, which may very well be. But I think that Marcus. I'm sorry, Willie and, and 
Maria are dealing with, I don't want to say similar things, but they're both dealing with issues that I feel like the larger group is not understanding or choosing or not understanding the severity of it. Willie, black boy, pacifist, killed his own father, has his reputation to uphold just to survive. He's wearing a mask at all times. He can be himself with certain people, but it's very difficult. And now you found a girl, not to say that's your sole motivation, but you found a, a girl who you're interested in, who's interested in you, who is who is trying to get you to see that there is more to life than the bullshit that you've been dealt and putting up with. This group, though we have an immediate need that I do think Willie should be a part of, I understand him not being a part of it. And everyone's falling back on you need to it's to save our ass like you know and and willie included because he was in the group but a lot of it is you need to do your part but not understanding what that means for him you know the way he navigates in this world you already burdened with so much shit you wear all these different masks and then now this this extreme thing that was out of your control something that you were dragged into to begin with because this is all because not because this all kicked off because we went to Vegas to kill Billy's dad. Also, Maria. Maria, now with the events of Vegas, even prior to, was in a very abusive and toxic relationship that she had been groomed, not groomed, she had been forced into when her own family was murdered. So she's dealing with that, then dealing with her mental health issues, and then coping with drinking. And I think she may be having an addictive personality. Again, I'm not a doctor, so I won't know for sure, but I'm trying to speak generally about some things that sound good if you are a doctor make sure to hit me up adca pod and let me know if i'm incorrect and why or if i'm correct why but i think that she's coping by hanging on to whatever makes her feel safe or what makes her forget about her issues she went so far as to get a passport which she never got the chance to use then she's now thrown at the front of this manhunt as Chico's kind of sister slash girlfriend in the eyes of the Diablo family and then she has to pressure about the the Diablo clan at the school and then she also dealing with mental health and then she's also dealing with wanting to be with Marcus feeling betrayed by her best friend her best friend and Marcus it's a lot that she has a heavy cross to bear as well and I'm I feel so bad for her because again like i said numerous times before the way things happen for her in the comics i think may happen in the show and that's not good now the show may go in a, a different way and even if they do we're still seeing that she isn't on the road to wellness and success maria is a beautiful girl the actress is freaking gorgeous she is i mean beautiful uh, that which <laughs> that really means nothing, y'all. <laughs> that has nothing to do with her acting ability or the the character on the show. I just wanted to say that. Uh, but all that being said, Willie and Maria, I feel like are fighting these battles and they're doing it alone, where everyone has their battle that they're fighting. But it feels like theirs are amplified, and it may be because of my own lived in experience and you know the way I'm viewing the show. With my own life in mind. Not that I've been in an assassin school. <laughs> but just being a man of color. And you know. Having experienced life the way I have. I just. Because it, it feels as if. Willie and Maria. Are dealing with things that are heavy. Saya I guess compartmentalizes things. And she's you know. This hard ass whatever. Even Marcus to an extent. Seems to be. Very not aloof he seems to be very he doesn't seem to have the same pressure and maybe it's because he just always seems anxious and frantic but then when you get down to like billy billy seems to be very carefree in this situation he like you know his father's dead so he's a-okay he's he's smiling and has the sarcasm and even petra who has that golf solemn look but that's just how she always looks it just feels as if the stakes though they are high for the entire group it feels heaviest for willie and maria to me uh willie pretty much still say i'm not going through with this shit you know this place king's dominion is changing marcus he said to saya Yes, because what she said was, well, Willie, you got to come with us because he helped you and this and that. And Willie's like, man, look, I can admit he helped me. The first, 
you know, hit that he did to that dude saved me. But every subsequent hit after that was all him. He has a darkness in him and he is whooping at like the, and you can see the change, I think, in the entire cast, even Willie. You know, you're a pacifist and you were the way he was in episode one is not how he is now. And that's not a bad thing. It's just you can see the growth and the change within everyone. Even though we have this looming kind of threat of fuckface and his family on our heads. Now, excuse me. Now, Saya, Misa with Marcus, she's like, you know, look, we're going to the Adolescent show. I didn't look up to see if the Adolescents was an actual band or if it was a band created for the show. Uh, but... Maria, in a, in a scene before, asked Marcus to stay with her tonight. This might be our last night together. So that's why he's sending Saya on her own to get the explosives and put them in a the comic book shop. She's like, no, nah, man, you can't do this. And he's like, well, I got to stay with Maria. And Saya's visibly upset, but she's like, you know, do what you got to do to keep her in check. We only need, we don't need all these problems or something. And even the way that they discuss Maria, it's like, don't act like she's some second-class citizen or some second-class student in this group. First of all, she has tenure. She's been here. Secondly, her mental health and the things she's dealing with is not just some extra burden to just write off as if, oh, I wish she just did not have these problems. Like, God, I feel for her. Marcus, with his bitch ass, and I'm saying that emphasis on every single syllable, he looks in the room, he sees Maria drinking and crying in her bed, and instead of going with her to spend the night with her, like he said, he goes off to meet with the rest of the crew. Now, with that being said, there's no good there's no good decision in any of these decisions. Cause one, you stay with her and then you miss out on everything with the explosives and shit. If you and by the way, the explosives, they're picking those up. With Lex's help by a guy that he knows. Because Lex is like a pyromaniac or something. So, my, if you stay with Maria, then you kind of let them down. If you go with them, you let Maria down. If Willie uh, goes with the group, then he lets down Gabby because he could end up dead. If he goes with Gabby, then he lets down the group. It's like every situation that someone can make, the opposite is going to fuck up or fuck over someone. Now... This is where I say this motherfucker is a fuck dude. Like, I was mad. Oh, he showed up to the adolescent's uh, uh, show, and I'm mad about it. Well, they met with the guy. He only uh, will buy will let Lex buy the explosives. So they give Lex the money. And then Marcus is like, okay, I'm going to go back to the school. Then I felt good. I was like, okay, well, maybe he ain't going to fuck over Maria. You know, whatever. So Saya steps in, and she's like, why don't you... No, you can't go anywhere. This is the adolescence. You got to watch them perform and convinces him to stay. Now, I say that very loosely because can't nobody make you do what you don't want to do. Uh, wait. In most in in most cases. <laughs> well, Marcus stays and he has a good time and he gets drunk and we find out that him and Maria ended up fucking. Him and Maria, excuse me. Him and Sia ended up fucking. They wake up half naked, late as fuck. He's supposed to open a comic book shop. And this scene is very cartoonish and I love it. He's running through the city. He stole a burrito from a lady, ate it while he's running, knocked over some woman and her coffee, uh, showed up at the store, kids beating on the windows trying to get in. Uh, and I remember this from the comics. So there's a kid named Mike who Marcus promised to draw a saber-tooth versus Spider-Man. And Marcus is like, you know, get the fuck away from here. He's trying to get rid of him. And there's a scene... <laughs> Where Marcus' stomach is hurting from the burrito. He's like, okay, how can I get rid of Mike? He turns to Mike and he's like, okay, I'm going to fart. I can fart right in his mouth. Because the kid is like sitting there waiting. Instead of just like sketching the damn picture. It's so odd. But he has a hangover. He's still kind of drunk. Fuck Cyan. Him and Cyan had sex rather in the woods. Whatever. Marcus turns his ass right at Mike's face and shits all over himself. Which it was just like... God, this show. Oh, my God. So, I'm pissed off at Marcus because you left Maria to deal with the shit on her own. And you, oh, God, you also had sex with Sia. He said, I love you, which, you know, even in his, like, inner monologue, he's like, well, the issue isn't that I said it, it's that do I mean it, you know, but that's neither here nor there at this point. I'm sick of Marcus. He is, God, he's fucked up. So, 
Maria, Billy, Petra, Lex shows up at the door while he's in the bathroom trying to wash his shitty filled clothes and get ready for the to go. Now he, they open the door and he's looking on and he's like, "Well, where's Saya?" Ooh, hoo, hoo. Petra says, "We don't know. We thought you would know. We lost track of you guys after the show last night." And there's been this like added like tension between everybody, Marcus, Maria, and Saya. Like every you you catching it, even as someone who is aloof, ditzy, blonde, whatever. When you watch this episode, you see the love triangleness of it all. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and Maria is not having it. And understandably so. Like, you are my boyfriend. You are my lover. Why are you not here with me? Even after I requested it and you agreed. You leave to go hang out with these folks. And you go off with Saya, my best friend. Like, it's Marcus is, man. He's, he's fucking up royally. So, to kind of wrap this up. Willie goes to Gabby. He's like, look, I'm about to leave. I'm going to L.A. My sister's there. I'm going to take my car. I'm going to sell it when I get there. And I'm going to just make it do what it do. Gabby's looking a little sad and a little annoyed. And he's like, go with me. She's like, what, right now? He's like, yeah. Your rent is month to month. Pack up your shit. Let's go. We can start over there. We could be whoever we want to be. And in my head, I, the way I imagine this going, which I know it's not going to go this way. Willie and Gabby get in the car. Go down to L.A., stay with his sister, and then they end up in a, like, different world situation where they go to high school together. They, they, they're they high school sweethearts. Uh, he teaches her some of his assassin training or whatnot, and then they go off to Hillman. And then, like, I just, it's so black, like, or they become Black Panthers, or they, like, something, something extreme where they go into their own book. Or even, uh, those of you who are familiar with the comic book genius uh gabby becomes the character from genius this girl who like leads the charge against the lapd going into these black neighborhoods and fucking shit up like i <laughs> ideally if that would happen that'd be great but so they get together and they go we see them next at a convenience or gas station rather and some guy some white guys pumping his gas and these three hoods which i think is a latino guy a white guy and a black guy the black and a white guy look kind of drugged out but they approach him they're like hey man i need some i need some gas money and he gives them money and then they start whooping his ass well willie looks like he wants to do something gabby's like look just report it when we get to a payphone the guy screaming, please don't hurt my family. We ride by, we see his kids on the window crying. He's in a station wagon. And they're like, you know, you're beating up my dad. Whatever. So next, we get <laughs> uh, Master Lin approaches Saya. He's like, look, you're supposed to be my sword. When you when your father died, I said, I'll look after you like you're my own daughter. And I have. You go to this address and protect this house at all costs sends her to his house with his wife and daughter she doesn't go in she's standing out she's like well i have something to do tonight he's like yeah that wasn't a request go and man this the house whatever so all of that happens then we get master lynn let me see where do i want to go from here? there's a few stories i'm trying to wrap up in my head so master lynn sends her there she leaves Marcus and the crew uh, are in what looks like kind of like a U-Haul truck. They pull up outside of of uh, Shabnon's house with Fuckface. And they're like, oh, I guess, you know, Saya ain't coming, blah, whatever we got to do. Whatever, whatever is whatever. She opens the door. Maria, the way it's positioned, it's like Marcus is in the middle of the truck. Maria is towards the back and she's sharpening something. When Saya opens that door... Marcus breathes a sigh of relief. He's like, oh, good. I didn't think you were going to make it. I was worried you wouldn't make it. And then they, they show Maria's face. It's like, well, goddamn, motherfuckers, that's your girlfriend or is it me? Like, oh, I was so mad. <laughs> so that happens. Uh, and then that's kind of the end of their storyline until next episode, the final episode. So next up, we get uh, Gal. Gal and Lynn. <clears throat> now, Lynn, Master Lynn, goes to the guild, which is where Gal, 
her school, I guess. I'm still unclear what the guild is. So he... <laughs> which I have to mention this. Her setup is very odd. When you come to meet her, there's a guy who looks like a bellhop. He pulls a rope. A curtain goes up and there is the wall. A partition goes up. But it's like a doggy door. It's big enough for a human to fit through, but it's so low. It's like you have to get on your hands and knees and walk in. So when he does... We see Gao and she's like, oh, you, um, something about the look in your face. I'm not sure if it's shock or surprise or whatever. And we see Brandy and Victor. Well, Gao's like, yeah, um, what's that, 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 uh, why is it, why are you here, Brandy? And she says, well, Master Lin sent us here to kill you. And she's like, hmm, that's interesting about whatever. Yes, brother, you think you can kill me, whatever. It's like, it's a tense ass situation. I'm stressing out. So then, <laughs> God walks up to him. Brandy's on her right. Victor's on her left. And they're all facing Lynn. And she has an assortment of like different men and women fully naked, like being her furniture, which she has forever, which I'm more, I'm interested to explore that. What the hell does that mean? Now, Lynn's stupid ass, while Gal is giving this like monologue, he smirks a bit. It's very subtle, but they focus in with the camera. Once he does that, she turns and Brandy and Victor starts whooping ass. Now, Gal gets away. She slides through that door and then they're left there being uh, Brandy, Victor, and Lynn to fight all these naked folks who got weapons in their hand. They whoop all their asses. This is why I say I was here for Brandy this episode. She, again, my complaint with her has been it felt like her racism is the thing that defined her. And I didn't like that. One, I'm not a fan because she's a white nationalist, but that's neither here nor there. In the context of the show, I didn't like her because racism seemed to be all she had to give. Everyone has their thing. I think Victor is also maybe... I'm, I'm thinking Victor is also racist as well, but the handling of Victor's character was very different than Brandy's. And that's the thing that frustrated me. Like, this girl, she ain't, I mean, ra snappy s racial jokes is all she has. Like, I don't know. I just, it just, it felt flat. It felt flat for me. But this episode, she... Yeah, she did it for me. And I'm interested to see how she retaliates because Gal, Gal, Lynn and Victor pull up that wall after they didn't kill their damn body. And he slides under, but then lets it crush Victor's fingers. Now, Victor and Brandy are left in the uh, room with all the dead bodies. And Brandy goes up to him. She's like, you think we bet on the wrong horse? He's like, yeah. <laughs> well, no, he said... No, she said, did you think we were right switching teams? And he said, don't judge me, y'all. That's my best Russian accent. Yet. <laughs> Which I believe means no or whatever. So, whatever. So, all that happens. We don't see them again this episode, but I'm interested to see how Brandy... Because my thing is, we can't... Okay, I'm, okay. <laughs> I read the books, and I know how certain storylines go in the books. There's a big event that I know is not going to happen this season, but I'm thinking, like, can they even get to that point anymore because of all the disruption that is going on in the show? Yes, you can kind of follow the books, but you can't. Like, with this shit going on with Lynn, unless we kill Gal and everyone else, well, no, Gal, because she would be the only one who knows about his family. If Unless we kill her, I don't see how we get back on track. And even with that... Do we have to kill Brandy and Victor as well in order to get back on track with the books? Now, I'm not saying the show needs to be like the book, but I don't know where the show is going. And some of the big events that happen later on down the line in the comic, if they're going to be incorporated into the show, I'm just concerned with how we've deviated so far with Lynn. Now, if it was just the kids, maybe, but Lynn is the head of the school, and he's fucked over a lot of these students, so, like, how do I go back to King's Dominion as a student and am okay with you? I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm just interested to see how that works. With that being said, I do want to know what Brandy and what Brandy and Victor does to get back at Lynn or what's their next step, because though I'm not a fan of Brandy, 
in this episode has made me a bit has put her on my radar. What about their clan, the Dixie Crew and the Russian Mafia, whatever? Where are they? Where where are their people? What is the response to this? Because we see how Diablo is acting about Chico being dead. Does Brandy and Victor have people to report to who can come down on Lynn's head as well? I'd like to know. I'd like to know. So that's that. And then uh, I feel like I'm missing something. Maybe that's it. I think that may be it. Uh, but that being said, this was a good episode as far as favorites. are. Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> how could I forget? Okay. So this is the scene right here that I think is worth its weight in gold. Lynn runs home. He sees his wife sitting at the table. I'm like, oh, shit, God and got to her. She's sitting there at the table with her, going to whoop her ass. No, Diablo is at the table. Also, the way the can the camera pans, it's like you see uh, Mrs. Lynn sitting at the table. We pan over a little more. You see Diablo in the center eating his food. You pan over a little bit more, and then you see Anaya, which is Lynn's daughter, and she's terrified. The mom is like, oh, she looks so helpless and like, you know, she just want to keep it together. Diablo gives him a little speech about how his kids, how he misses kids and whatever else. Then we have who I think is Diablo's older son come to pull a seat out for Lynn and he sits. Diablo pulls his gun out and to make things as simple as possible, this episode, this season, this season, this scene goes on for a minute. And then Mama Lynn, the, Lynn's wife, this motherfucker, she gives me everything I fucking needed. Now, I did not think she was helpless, but I did not put too much thought into her as a character and what her life was prior to the show. And it wasn't because, oh, you know, she's forgettable, but the focus has always been on Lynn. That's my mistake. This woman... Breaks the leg of the chair that Diablo's sitting on. She gets up and she whoops fucking ass. Lynn gets up and enjoys the fight too. But wife is doing the do. And they do some parts of this scene in slow motion which was so effective. She yells for her daughter to get up. That was the one part of the scene that felt kind of odd to me. I I personally thought that would have what would have been better is once mama broke the leg of that chair daughter had a stood up and once mom started whooping ass daughter started moving then wife tells daughter to run but that didn't it didn't didn't stop anything it was really good diablo says kill the girl mama is whooping ass y'all when i tell you this this ass whooping part of the scene maybe took i don't know 30 seconds but she did that Diablo stands up because Lynn and Mama has been kicking ass. They've been getting everybody ass. Lynn throws his cane at the motherfucker. Now, when Diablo stands up, he pulls out his gun and points it at Naya. She's screaming. Once he does that, Mama, and I'm mad, I do, I'm, forgive me for not knowing Master Lynn's wife's name, but Mama stood up. She put her head directly in the line of fire and he shot her ass, which, oh, Broke my heart. I wanted them all to get away. And not just because, quote unquote, they're the good guys and they need to get away. But I just, you don't have us in the dark with mama all this time. And now we see her whoop some ass. And then now we can't see no more because she did. Man, <laughs> say I was pissed. So Lynn throws his cane at Diablo, which makes him move. And then he grabs the black guy. Ugh, well, let me not go there. He, glad, he grabs a guy, uses him as a body shield, picks up his daughter, and runs the fuck out the door. And that's where we end the episode. <laughs> Bra motherfucking Vo. My favorite character in this episode of Willie and Gabby, all the black folks. But I'd have to say, Master Lynn's wife, she fucking did that. Like that little scene, I wish we could have gotten more of her fighting. Like, even if you were going to kill her, I feel like. If she had made it out the door and then was murdered, but she like whooped ass on the way out, that would have been cool. But it happened. Whatever happened, happened. <sighs> Favorite scene? Gotta go with that end scene with mama whooping ass. Cause ooh, she did that. I don't know, y'all. That was exciting for me. Uh so yeah, all that being said, 
this is the end of this episode. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, I know this probably was a bit longer than the others. That's all right, though. Uh, while you're listening to this episode, remember, use that hashtag ADCAPod. Give me your thoughts, opinions, feelings. Who's your favorite character? Who is your favorite scene? Did you like the handling and treatment of Master Lin's wife? Were you surprised when a lot of this shit happened in the episode? Do you live tweet? We have one more episode left. Live tweet with me. Uh, when we air the last episode of Deadly Class Season 1, I'd like to know, you know, what you guys are thinking. Hit me up on that Twitter's Carefree Blurred. Use that hashtag ADCAPod. Email me if you'd like. Use that uh, email, <laughs> carefreeblacknerd at gmail.com. All other social media sites, Carefree Black Nerd. There's a Facebook page as well. Also, this is very important. Please, folks, rate and review and subscribe. Go on to Apple Podcasts or iTunes or however you're calling it. And leave me a review. Uh, let me know what you think. Especially if you're a fan of Deadly Class. Let me know your thoughts about Deadly Class in the review. Uh, give me those five stars. I very much appreciate it. Um, yeah, just make this a conversation. I want to be available to the listeners out there. And thank you so much for listening. So with that being said, we're going to wrap up this episode. I've been your host, Rain Coleman. This has been another episode of A Deadly Class Act. And I cannot wait to the next episode. So, <laughs> And shout out to Deadly Class and Sci-Fi. I don't know why I haven't mentioned this, but they sent me some merch. And uh, I, thanks, guys. Uh, you know, nice, nice stuff. I got a t-shirt, a Deadly Class shirt, and one of those, I don't know what you call it. God, I'm going to sound so ignorant here. What is that triangle <laughs> that you put on your wall uh, that has your university on it? Whatever that's called. I mean, I'm, it better not be called a flag. <laughs> but that's what they gave me. What, Whatever. I'll post it on Instagram or on Twitter or whatnot. So, uh, all in all, thank you guys so much for listening. Meet me back here, same nerd time, same nerd station. And then until next time, stay carefree, stay nerdy, stay geeky, and stay the fuck away from emotionally unavailable motherfuckers like Marcus. And please stay the fuck away from King's Dominion if you're not set up for that shit. And please protect Gabby and Willie at all costs. Thank you. Kyle lost her only son to the temple. So don't think for a second she'll allow Naya to walk away. She won't be satisfied until you've been punished for not defending her. Has she reported us to the guild? No. It brings shame to her entire family. Mostly on her. So Kyle is the only one that knows Naya and I are alive. what must be done to protect our family.